I am the first Latina and bilingual mental health therapist that folks are interacting with. Really? How does it make you feel? It is such an honor and such a privilege to be in those spaces where I can help someone navigate conversations about mental health with family. And especially first-generation college students, when they see me, they're like, oh my gosh, yes, or thank you, Juliana, or I get, I will get a message afterwards. Thank you so much for this presentation, or if it's professionals, thank you so much for, you know, allowing us to learn something in, an, in another way or just yeah. a different perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it fills me with so much joy and gratitude and it is me fully stepping into my power. Mi gente, dímelo, dímelo, what's good? Welcome to another episode of the Quien Tu Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know, it's your boy Pavel bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. Speaking of guests, if you saw the intro, that's a clip from this week's episode where I sat down with the dope Juliana Londoño. Before getting into who Juliana is, you'll also probably notice that we shot this in person. Moving forward, my goal is to shoot all of the episodes in person. It just makes for a dope conversation and it also gives us an opportunity to highlight and put a spotlight on local Latino, Latina, Latinx, Latine, and Black-owned businesses. In particular, this week, we had the pleasure of visiting 787 Coffee on 30th Street in New York City. So if you're ever looking for delicious coffee, I highly recommend 787 Coffee. Instead of shooting at actual podcast studios, I'm actually looking to shoot at local minority owned cafes. So if you know of a cafe that you think we should, that you think they'd be down to let us record from there, please send us those recommendations. Now about our guest. Let me give you a little bit more context into who she is before getting into the full conversation. So Juliana is a proud Latina bilingual and licensed mental health therapist based out of New Jersey. Her business focuses on that intersectionality of mental health and the Latino BIPOC community experience. Her mission is really to bring awareness, education and resources around mental health through various outlets. She served as a thought leader, keynote speaker, and podcast guest across some pretty dope publications, including We All Grow Latina, LinkedIn News, and even NY Picks 11 News. That's just a bit of her bio, but to get the full bio, please be sure to check out the show notes or the episode description of this week's episode. Now that you have a little bit more context into our guest and where we recorded from, Let's get into this dope conversation. All right. So tell me about authenticity, right? It's such a buzzword. Super buzzword. You probably hear it all the time. All the time. What does it mean to you, though? Like when you hear the word. For me, authenticity has represented so many different things along the way and along my journey. I think it has transformed how I look at it in so many angles. There's this stereotypical authenticity in my role as a therapist. There's this stereotypical authentic version of a CEO, entrepreneur, and founder. 
and I don't care for it. I want to be authentic to what's true to my core. And I believe that that is your values and your beliefs and your morals. We will. But what parts of it? Because it sounds like it kind of like makes you cringe. It like does. Like the stereo. Like what are the stereotypes that come to mind? Yeah. So as a therapist, I think it's a lot of like, oh, you know, the Freud, Freud stereotype of like, I'm gonna just psychoanalyze you, and you're gonna be on the couch <laughs> like this. Like, no, no, absolutely not. We are ages past that in in a good way. I think absolutely. We still have more more, more work to do in the field, but I am in a t-shirt. I work with children, like. So I'm at the ground that's, level. That's true because I think there is a certain perception that even you have to be like a very, a much older experienced adult to even go to therapy. Oh, absolutely. Or even see, see counseling and stuff like that. Absolutely. That's interesting. Even the difference with like mm-hmm. age. Oh, yeah. So I dress like I am going to go hang out. Literally, how you see me here is how I dress to go to work. And I'm authentic with that. Like I bring my personality my just the realness there's cursing in sessions there's laughter in sessions there's from you from both of us it could be absolutely like what the fuck was that or it could also be like holy shit that's great i'm so proud of you let's celebrate this yeah you're allowed to curse in therapy like you're allowed to show emotion too oh absolutely i'm human right (laughs) <laughs> but but that's interesting, like, this idea of expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you think that started? Like, I often say it starts at home. Yes. Like, even before we start working, before we even think about what we want to work, our family has expectations on how we should mm-hmm. show up. Yes. So, like, how how would you describe yourself, like, as a kid? Like, As a kid, I'm an only child. Me too. Only child. Well, all right, so my dad had a side family. Does that count? So my dad has a side family, but I mean, I grew up only child, like just with my mom. Dominican men, Dominican men don't cheat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry, go for it. You laugh like it's a lie. I don't. I don't know what you're doing. No, okay, it's true. Yeah, it's absolutely true. But no, I grew up only child, only with my mom, and that sense of being independent, finding your way, like that was just ingrained in a part of my life unspoken or like she was telling you those things no spoken as well unspoken and spoken i think my mom did a great job at representing being authentic being the first in our family to make a living in the u.s and then it was up to me and i think that was a a bit about the expectation of juliana has to go to school and has to figure her shit out and has to make the family proud that's a lot of pressure oh yeah yeah. So my mom didn't, she, she definitely expected me to go to school, but didn't have any expectation for what to study. Mm-hmm. So I had a little bit of autonomy there, whereas like yeah. a lot of kids are like, you got to be a lawyer, doctor, whatever. Yeah. What do you think the expectations were for you for school? I started off as a nursing major. So here we are. Definitely not a nurse. That did not go as anticipated, but I'm so thankful it didn't. Like, why, why, did, you, why did you think you wanted to go into nursing? That was the only thing I was exposed to as a kid. And it was a lot of, right, there's three fields. You can be an engineer, you can be a doctor, you could be a teacher. Pick one. Which are all great. They're all fantastic. But I had the tunnel vision of, yes, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a doctor. And then it became, I can't afford med school, so I'm going to be a nurse. And then I can get my master's in nursing and build in nursing. And then... In college, I was accepted as a nursing major, hardest major to get into in a college, oftentimes. 
And by the second year, I'm like, yep, nope, not it. Was it a certain class? or you? It was. It was anatomy and physiology one. I vividly remember this. And then it was. Yo, science, science is tough. So tough. Yo, in high school, I didn't get past like earth science. (laughs) Yo, chemistry kicked my ass. I love chemistry. Like all of it, I loved. I loved. But then came the talk with my nursing advisor. And I vividly remember this. Juliana, like being a part of the nursing major, you're going to start your clinicals. The expectation is that you're going to be committed to this program. I think it was from like 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. to 10 or 11 p.m. Monday through Friday. 10 p.m.? Oh, yeah. Like that's, you can have clinical rotations. Sure, sure. At any time, anywhere. And it fluctuates and it will change, of course, because you need to learn about all these different areas in nursing. And I'm like, hold up. Like, when do I work? Wait, wait a second. How How is that going to, like, I, I just couldn't understand how I was going to still financially support myself in that yeah. field that required so much. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of school. So much. It's a lot of school. I remember there's a few people that have been on the show and have been turned off by that profession simply because either they looked at the coursework and they were like, I got to take what class? Mm-mm, I'm not taking that class. Or to your point, it's like, when do I start making money? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, the reason I say, thank goodness, that I did change my major when I did, I graduated in 2019. Okay. Twenty. Oh, 2012. Oh. I was like, wait, what's the what's the significance? Yeah. 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 I forgot. Yeah. Okay. I would have been at the front lines of a global pandemic like that. That to me, I'm like, wow. I'm like, okay, this was a blessing in disguise. I'm really happy that I changed paths. And that was a conversation I'm going to have to have with my mom of like, wow, I'm going to be authentic and true to myself that I do not want to be in nursing. This is not it. And I would go back and do it all over again. Was that a difficult conversation with your mom? I was more panicked internally that she was not going to accept it. And she was the most accepting and loving and caring person. Right, right, right. And like, for, like it, it was you telling it, it was all like, the time. oh my yeah. god, I'm letting my family down. All the sacrifices right. that my mother made, and I'm not going to be yeah. a nurse. I was still getting a degree. Like it was right, right, right. She and that's was, all she cares about, and that was all she cared about. She's like, listen, you could get a degree in whatever you want. I do not care. I don't care what school, what major, anything. Go yeah. get educated. Do what you have yeah. to do. Bring back yeah. home a degree. I used to. I used to imagine because I would go to I wouldn't go to church anymore with my grandma. Mm-hmm. But I remember going to church and she like literally grabbed my wrist and like dragged me around. I was like, mira mi nieto. Oh, and like he stuck like she can't pronounce any of the companies I worked for. But she'd be like. And like I remember when I finally got to Facebook, she could finally like understand not only for her, but yeah. she could communicate to other people where I was working. The magnitude of it. Yeah. But it was something that like. As big as Tesla is, like, these old women at church don't know what Tesla is, but they know what Facebook is. You know what I mean? So for me, it was, like, a proud moment, and I was so scared to, like, even leave those big names because in my head, it wouldn't be an opportunity for my family to brag about me. And not even for me, but for them. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they don't care. Mm -hmm. But I was telling myself that story. Yes. It's very similar. Like, you were scared to, like, leave this idea or this track of yep. success because like you didn't know the impact that it would have on other people absolutely and then i'm now graduating and going through school and getting my master's and then telling my mom 
I'm going to quit my nine to five in corporate and I'm going to go start my own business that may or may not make me money. That was mind blowing. Wait, but how long were you working? I was working in corporate before I graduated in May immediately. So I had been working in corporate part time, graduated in May, in May, started working full time. And then by November of that same year, I was like, I'm done. I can't do this nine to five. Wait, you wait, so under a year? I could not take it. We oh that's that's I thought you were in the game for the game. I thought you were in the game for so much longer. No, I could not take the corporate nine to five. Nope. I'm done. I quit my job. Resigns is the somewhat nicer word. Sure. November of last year. All right. What were your expectations going into it? My expectation at that point in time was, this is what's making me money. This is what is stable. Yeah, but did you go into it like, oh, my God, the happy hour is going to be so fun? I don't know. Like, No. No? I knew. You didn't didn't have this, like, dream, idealistic view of it or anything? Nope. So you had low expectations going in. Not that I had low expectations. I just knew in that moment. And I think I came to the realization of I am okay with having this job right now solely for money and not for passion. That's that's something that takes years to learn. And a lot of people realize that, like, during COVID, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, it takes a whole lifetime to realize that. Yep. But you realize that in the first couple of months. Oh, yeah. How? It what ha- was... Are you... Like, what happened? No, so it was in real estate. I've never been exposed oh, to real estate. Oh, you were in real estate? Yeah, it was I didn't know that. real estate, and it was... The perks were phenomenal. Okay. Of course. I had great perks. I had a good boss. I just... I didn't like the fact that I'm going to work, and this is still an opportunity that I'm so grateful for. And I was, again, I was conflicted with culturally my mother saying, Juliana, dale gracias a Dios that you have this opportunity. You're making money. This is stable. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But then I'm like, you know what, mom? I'm like, every day I wake up and I know what I'm gonna do. I know that this is just there. I, I don't feel like I'm making an impact. This is I'm meant for something so much greater. And I have a master's degree. What am I doing? Yeah. So I made the decision. I actually moved out on my own in October. Probably not the best timing to quit your job in November. But I, I, I couldn't do it. Wow. I think that... it goes back to authenticity. I wasn't being authentic in that role. I knew it at my core. And that's what made me so uncomfortable that I needed to leave and step into my power. In, in what ways were, were you not being authentic? First of all, how did you, how did you show up to work dress-wise? So it was very interesting. It was very, very interesting. I remember we would have like weekly staff meetings and I would show up like that would be the only time I had to be dressed up. The weekly staff meeting. The weekly staff meeting? Because I led it. I was the one that was leading it, like presenting, okay, here's what our numbers look like. This is what we're doing. This is where all the agents are. And I remember just. Right after I would leave that meeting, I would bring with me a little backpack to change. And it would be t-shirts and shorts. I would literally, it's like two different people. Wow. Yep. But all right. So going back to you dressing up for that, did someone tell you you had to dress up for it? Yeah. Oh, interesting. What did they tell you? Yeah. That like, this is our staff meeting. We all dress up. It was just like the typical, like you do not wear jeans. Everyone has to be dressed up. 
women had to wear heels or like a fancier shoe, no sneakers. Yeah. Also, they gave specific directions yep. even for women. Yeah. yeah. We all had to be, men couldn't wear jeans. Yep. Men could? Could not. Could not. Wear jeans. Wow. Because, all right, I was about to get into my, oh, well, you, all that's in your head. But no, specific people were telling you No, specific, things. yep. Interesting. Yeah, so it had to be a dress. It had to be, I, I'm into pantsuits. So I remember like, okay, I have to go and like have like a nice pantsuits. I am not the dressy, dressy. Interesting. Okay, so what did it feel like when you put on <laughs> the change of clothes? Well, it's so interesting. And this is why I think I like to touch on it as stepping into my power because yeah, in that, that yeah. moment, I was just like, okay, I feel so powerful in this suit. And it's to lead a weekly presentation <laughs> where now I step into a suit. I'm talking to a crowd of 100, 150 people. It could be college students, higher ed professionals, corporate. And I feel so powerful and so bold. So less about what you're wearing and more so like the work. The that environment you're doing. and the work that I'm doing. Interesting. But I think that's important to highlight, too, because... There are certain things that make people feel powerful. Yes. Right? You, you could wear a pair of heels and just simply even the height makes you yeah. feel powerful, right? Some people feel powerful in a suit. Some people feel powerful in shorts, whatever it is. But it's different for everybody. Yeah. And it's important for you to recognize, like, that's really interesting that even in that same suit, it, you felt more powerful around a certain community and what you were talking about. And the impact that you were delivering. Yes, absolutely. I think it was right. It is a huge difference leading a weekly staff meeting about financial records and financial documents versus, hey, Juliana, get up on a stage or here's your platform to talk about mental health in the Latino community or in the first gen community. How yeah. I show up mentally, how I did show up to those two mentally, it's the difference. It's mind blowing. Okay, so before you started driving this impact, though, you quit your job. I did. Give me the anxieties, the mindset, like, what was going through your mind even before you made that decision? I knew that I wanted to start the business. Did I financially prepare for it? Absolutely not. Was I going out and really just winging it 10,000%? So I may or may not have a huge credit card debt. That I'm now almost fully, like, done paying, which I'm like, okay, really proud of myself. Congrats. But in the moment, it was just like, I know I can do this. I'm going to bet on myself. And I literally took that leap. I took it and I ran with it. How long were you, like, going back and forth in your head? I want to say. Or did it just take, like, two seconds? You were like, I'm done. I would, I want to say after I moved out of my house, not that I don't love my mom and mom is my number one supporter, but once I was in my own apartment and I had like the mental clarity to sit down and be like, okay, here's this business plan, right? I didn't even know what a business plan was, like Googling business plan. <laughs> I've never taken a business course in my life. I have a master's degree in mental health. I don't know what I'm doing in business. So I'm like, okay, what do I do? What are the steps that I need to take? And then once I actually allowed myself and I had the space and the clarity to do so, then I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I can do this. Do it now. Something inside me said, do it now. You won't regret this. Go. Yeah. And kind of just take the leap of faith, trust yourself, and uh, be bold and go for it. That's tough. I, f I find it to be like a, a daily exercise yes. to trust myself. Like a daily exercise to tell me, yo, you a bad bitch. You got this. Yep. Yep. 
Daily affirmations. Absolutely. All right. So when you started your own business and you started doing the work that you were really interested in, that doesn't mean that you're automatically going to forget everything that you were taught about professionalism, about how you should show up, about all of these things. So like, when was that moment when you really said, fuck it? The moment where I really was said, it instantly? fuck it. In terms of professionalism, that's a great question. I want to say... And maybe you still haven't. It's fine. I want to say sometime recently, mainly with makeup. Okay. And I think that has been a huge transforming moment for me personally and also professionally where I show up in my suit. Normally, it's a pantsuit. I wear a t-shirt under because I like to be comfy. Sometimes okay. I wear sneakers. Sometimes I'll do a heel. And I will do everything on my face except foundation. Because I like to show that I am human and my skin has wrinkles and acne scars and everything. Like a human body and person does. Yeah. And I like to show that, especially when I'm talking to young women and young girls. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then were you scared that someone was going to come up to you? She was like, are you not wearing foundation? No. Like, I, I, I felt like I knew nobody was going to be like, oh, my God, you don't have foundation on. I think it's that unspoken rule of being a woman and how you show up in this corporate space of your face has to look flawless yeah, when yeah. no one's face is truly flawless. But you've been doing it for so long. Though. Yeah, and I was doing it for so long. So then why were you doing it? It's just like, because. Yeah, I think it was something that I guess was ingrained and, again, looked presentable. And that was an appropriate way at the time to look presentable. And now that I'm my own boss, I'm like, well, if I want to wear makeup today, I do. And if I don't, well, I also don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, And then to your point, it's not like anyone came up to you was like, no. Excuse me. Nobody came up to me and was like, oh, my gosh, you forgot this acne scar right here. That pimple on your forehead, Juliana. Nope. It's, it's one of those things. And it's just a consistent reminder that, like, a lot of the stuff, no one gives a fuck. Nobody gives a fuck. No one cares. No one's paying attention to us that much. We're not we're not that we're not that famous. So we're not. that nope. big. And a lot of the stuff is just like anxieties that are just in our head. Absolutely. It is what we tell ourselves, that inner voice of, oh, my gosh, what is everyone else thinking? Who gives a fuck? Everyone else is thinking about what they're doing or whatever their passion project is or whatever is going on in their lives. Yeah. And as a therapist, I think I've I've learned that there's so much intricacy to each and every person that we meet and what they're going through. Yeah. But tell me about the moment where you when you got into that. Fuck it. Like, like you said, like maybe the moment for you was like, I'm not going to wear a certain type of makeup. Like, was it a moment where you stopped doing that? Like, when was it? I would say it was rather recently this summer, being that it was incredibly hot and I was traveling to different opportunities, mainly for speaking. And it got to the point that I had to bring like bags of makeup with me because it was so hot. And then for anyone that wears makeup, it will like melt no. if it's too hot. So then I'm like, oh my gosh, like, like I don't like wanna, ice cream running down I'm your like, face or something. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to be on stage. And then, like, next thing you know, you see like makeup going down my, my neck. neck. I'm like, oh my god, what am I gonna do? 
And I got to the point that I was just like, I'm literally carrying around. Make, what am I doing? Yeah. Like what I'm like, honestly, when I speak to a group of like a big crowd, everyone's like in an auditorium <laughs> and right. it's like a big space. Yeah. No one's like even up close enough to notice yeah. if yeah, I have yeah, foundation yeah. on or not. <laughs> it's just intro. The, the powerful part about being on stage, though, is that I mean, it sounds obvious, but like people like see you. And I think oftentimes like they're not accustomed to seeing maybe people that look like you talking about that specific subject that is so taboo. Definitely. Like, I wonder what kind of feedback do you get? Are people just like, wow, I've never seen someone that looks like you talk about some of those things? Most of the times from the feedback that I've had, I am the first Latina and bilingual mental health therapist that folks are interacting with. Really? How does it make you feel? It is such an honor and such a privilege to be in those spaces where... I can help someone navigate conversations about mental health with family and especially first generation college students. When they see me, they're like, oh, my gosh, yes. Or thank you, Juliana. Or I get I will get a message afterwards. Thank you so much for this presentation. Or if it's professionals, thank you so much for, you know, allowing us to learn something in, an, in another way or just yeah. a different perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it fills me with so much joy and gratitude and it is me fully stepping into my power. Isn't that wild though? Like, yo, what year are we in 2023? And wait, I'm the first one that you're seeing? Mm -hmm. It's wild. but It's sad when we think yeah. of it. It's honestly so sad that that still has to be the case. So I, I heard a quote early on when I was in college, and I don't know who said it, and it was, I may be the first, but I will not be the last. And I have taken that with me. I keep remembering it, and I write it down constantly in my journal for, yes, Joanna, this may be uncomfortable. There's going to be learning pains and growing pains, but you will be the first often, but you will not be the last. You know what's crazy? If you would have never changed your path, if you would have never stepped into the power mm -hmm. that you're in now, as you're mentioning it, those students would have never had their first. No. They would have still been waiting, potentially. They'd still probably be waiting. Isn't that some shit? Like, so. is wild how just, like, one decision in your life mm -hmm. goes beyond the impact of you? Yes. And that's what I always tell people, too. It's like, this idea of authenticity and stepping into your purpose, your power, whatever you want to call it, people often think of it solely from their own standpoint. Like, how is this going to impact me? Yet they don't see the ripple effect of being on stage yep. and people seeing you. And then, like, it's almost like you're giving them permission to do whatever it is that they have been told their entire lives that they shouldn't be or, sh or can't be. Yeah. And... It's powerful. It's so incredibly powerful. And oftentimes, again, it's it's practicing that time for mindfulness and gratitude of, okay, what are the decisions that I'm making that I'm comfortable making that I feel like I need to make? And then how does that impact my community, right? On all these different levels. How does it impact my family? How yeah. does it impact my future trajectory? How does it impact the different communities and ecosystems that I'm a part of? And yeah, I think yeah. that, again, I'm so grateful I would I would go back and do it all over again and be bold and be brave and uncomfortable because that is where I learned the most. Speaking of uncomfortable, like 
our authenticity often does make people uncomfortable. Tell me about a time where you think it's been met with some resistance. Met with some resistance. Oh, this is a great question. <clears throat> yeah, take your time. Authenticity met with resistance. I would say mainly with being a therapist and working in private practice, not necessarily resistance from others, but interestingly, the resistance of myself oh. of I have to show up in this certain way and I have to be competent in everything and I have to be knowledgeable to help and serve every person that sits in front of me and giving myself unrealistic pressure to be this unrealistic version of authentic. Tell me more about that. Is it is it like because I'm showing up as myself, I need to prove that I'm very knowledgeable in everything? Is that what it is? It's more of, I want to say, trying to always justify that I am for everyone. But again, I can't be. And I, I think I've had to learn. And the resistance uh, has been with myself of I can't be for everyone. And that's okay. It's like not like I want to be accepted by everyone. Mm -hmm. And no, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, especially when it comes to my role as a therapist. I know I can't possibly know everything. And I know that I'm not clinically trained in specific areas. One of the greatest barriers is that all of these trainings and certifications are hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, additional to having a master's degree and being licensed. Yeah, yeah. So I'm okay with not being trauma certified. Got you, got you. But that doesn't make me less knowledgeable in knowing about trauma. Right, 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 right. Because there, there's hundreds of certifications. Hundreds of thousands of certifications out there. Interesting. And when, when were you able to let go of that pressure that you're putting on yourself? I want to say rather recently. And how as well? How is also very curious because I was working in a private practice when I first graduated with my master's. And then once I changed to another private practice where I felt more supported, more seen, more valued, more understood, that's the pivotal moment. It, tell, me, tell me about that, too. Like, yeah. what was the difference, like, when you felt supported versus, I don't know, undervalued? I don't know. What? Yes, Absolutely. Having a private practice where there is a support system already built mm -hmm. and you're surrounded by seasoned clinicians that have so much experience and are willing to help at any point. Oh, my gosh, that makes such a difference for for me, especially being Latina in this field where it's like, oh, my gosh, maybe I am the only brown person in the room maybe i am the only person of color maybe i am the only bilingual person but I, I feel welcomed i feel supported and i feel that i can still step into any space there and yeah. ask a question and not feel dumb but rather There's supported ain't the, ain't, isn't that such a simple thing it's just like such a simple thing i can ask a question and not feel like ashamed or dumb or whatever for asking a question yep was there a time where you asked a question previously and it was just like, come on, girl, like, don't you have a master's? What, like, is that how you felt? Like, what did you feel? That's like? how I felt that it was actually, did it, did it actually play out that way? Not really. But again, it was that voice in my head of, Juliana, don't you dare ask that question because you're going to look so stupid. You should know this. And then I'm like, okay, yeah. I actually saved almost all of my textbooks from grad school 
just thinking I'm going to need to go back and reference and open this book and reference page 527 out of this textbook says such and such. So I know the answer now. Haven't even opened any of those. I did. I did that for like my first job coming out of college. Like I literally, well, back in the day when we had our own assigned desks. Oh my gosh. Because now it's just going away. But I used to have like my drawer and I used to have my textbook in there. Just wow. in case. And I was, I never used it. Yeah. But it was in it. That's so funny. I thought I was the only one that ever did that. No, I have almost all of them. Like, my manager looked at me one day. He was like, what are you doing? It was so funny. Yeah. I used to have almost all of my textbooks in my house, on my bookshelves. They're just sitting there because I'm not opening them. <laughs> you you could you could sell those. That's that's like a dinner. That's a night out. Oh, absolutely. Those textbooks are expensive. <laughs> expensive. Yes. But I forgot, I forgot, I don't know if it's a Maya Angelou quote, but it's like, you, you may not remember what they said, but you always remember how they made how you they feel. How they made you feel, yep. And sometimes you can't even describe what they did to make you feel like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to, like, explain to people, but that feeling, like, is, it's there. So I get it. Yeah, it's a feeling, and you know, you just know. It's like that gut instinct sometimes. Yeah. Just when you feel loved and supported and valued and appreciated. And I think that we live in a world now more than ever that people demand and they're seeking it. Mm. That's so important, too, though, that you mentioned that, because so often we all, we think about like the, the inner work that we got to do to feel comfortable being authentic. Yet it also has so much to do with like the environment that you're in. Yes. I mean, granted, if it could be the most toxic environment in the world and I can have enough like inner work and power and strength to be like, fuck my environment. But it just makes it that much more difficult. Yeah. Like, it could just make it that much more easier if you had a supportive environment. Yes. And I think, too, again, recognizing, can I... Family could be the environment. The co Everybody could be part of that. Yes, yes, yes. So recognizing, am I being authentic? Can I be authentic? Can I allow myself to be authentic in this toxic environment? And if not... Right. What can you do, right? Psychological safety, right? What's within your power to make sure you can be authentic every day, day in, day out? Do you feel like you can do that these days? Absolutely, yeah. I'm so happy that I can wake up every day and my routine every single day religiously. I wake up, take my meds, have breakfast, and I sit down by myself for about 30 minutes, an hour, and I do a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle. To a puzzle? To a puzzle every morning. And even something as simple as that, it's funny. Someone else was on the podcast and they said, one of the things that I like to do on my breaks is, they didn't say a puzzle, but it was something creative. Like, I bring out my my, like big pad and I draw. Oh, that's awesome. And she was saying that she felt uncomfortable doing that in her nine to five. Mm -hmm. Because people were looking at her like, bro, what are you doing? Yep. Like, we don't have space for that. Like, mm-hmm. you're busting out crayons and all this stuff. So she feels comfortable doing the 9 to 5, but she has to work from home because she has to take those creative breaks. Yeah. And it's just this idea of, like, what a professional or mm-hmm. employee is supposed to look like, do, act like, all these things. So I'm thinking of you busting out this jigsaw puzzle ah. in, like, the lunchroom or the cafeteria or at your desk, rather. Yeah. And people are really like, yo, like, you should be working. Just, just something. And I'm just like, oh. Well, yeah, we all have, like, what we need, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because I didn't recognize I needed that creative space. Puzzles for me, really, it allows me to not be on a computer or technology. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I... am in 
pure silence. I often do it in pure silence, drinking my cafecito in the morning. And it just stimulates my brain in such a different way, especially early in the morning, that it sets me up for success the rest of the day. Same. That's how I feel about my iPad. Because for me, the internet means my phone, my iPad. I could access the internet, Mm -hmm. but I don't. I only journal and draw on my iPad. I love that. So very similar thing. I often use like, that's a whole other thing. Like, I don't think of myself as an artist, but as of late, I'm feeling more comfortable with the title. Good and for even you. like publishing some of my things online. Okay. And the reception is is cool. also very supportive. So the point was like, oh shit, people like this? Like, y'all like this? Oh yeah. All right, let me do some more of this. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. Even the idea of like you speaking openly about liking jigsaw puzzles which seems very small someone's going to listen to this and think like oh my god i'm also i also have various creative outlets and i don't feel comfortable doing it in front of people or talking about it because people think i'm what you know what i mean yeah i love jigsaw puzzles i do probably about one a week and they are a thousand pieces do you have a picture I have tons. Let me see. Let me oh see. my gosh. Wait. We, can, we can point them to the, we wait, can show the camera. Wait. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I have tons Yo, of pictures. I don't think I've ever seen you that excited, by the way. <laughs> just amazing. Why are you geeking out right this now? Because puzzles are everything. They just are the best. Let me turn this over too. I'm just going to turn the camera over so I can see it. This is the one is I most recently did. Wait, wait, wait. Oh my God. Yo, what? This is beautiful. Uh-huh. Oh my God! Look at this, y'all. Look so that at is that. Paris. That's Paris. Yes, a yo. That is in the back. In the back. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. Did I tell you when I went to Paris? Almost, I like almost cried. I cried, I cried. seeing the Eiffel Tower for the first because time because I always thought while well, studying Paris. Paris and these European old cities as like I'm only, I'm only going to see that in a textbook. I'm never yep. going to see it. Re- but you better keep keep going. Sorry, sorry. I was like, I'm never gonna see. I'm never gonna see that in real life. In real life. And when I saw it, I was like, I was so emotional. And it was at nighttime, so I was like driving in from the city, and you see the lights going. Yo, it's so fire. This is just like a house with like a view of like the ocean and a lighthouse. I don't remember the name. These are your best hits. My best hits. These are your best hits right now. Oh, look at the little. And there is a puppy, and then there's a cat somewhere in that as well. Yeah, I can spot the cat. Like, where's Waldo style? I think there's a cat. That's so dope. Yeah, that is just, it's my thing. And I love it. And right now, I'm working on a thousand-piece puzzle of the galaxy. It's kicking my butt right now. I wish more people, I, f- I forget the saying, and I and I see these on like Instagram and TikTok, but it's like people th- people say you need a hobby to make you money. One to like find joy. One, one to keep to... you fit. Oh, yep. that's what it is. It's like one to make you money, one to keep you fit, and one to help you be creative. Help you be creative, yeah. I feel like that creative piece, I want to help people find that. Yeah. There's so many things that you can do, but I feel like people, not everyone has that creative outlet. No. And it's so important. It's yeah. so important because it's helping your brain think of something totally different and just experimenting. Yeah. And yeah. oftentimes, it's just having fun. Mm-hmm. Like somewhere along the lines, they told adults to not have fun. <laughs> I don't know why. And when I do feel those anxieties throughout the day, I pull out my iPad and I start drawing. Like it yeah. literally calms me down and allows me to then get back into work if yeah. I want to. Yeah. But not everyone has that outlet. All right. Anyway, we're almost out of time. 
Okay. Almost at the hour. So ask you this final question, right? Because mm-hmm. I think the more work that we do, we get into different rooms. Yep. Get into more power, meet more powerful people. And sometimes we often like, damn, do I go back to where I was? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like what inspires you to continue being your most authentic self wherever you are? What inspires me? I think the fact that there's only 10% across the country of mental health professionals that speak Spanish. Wow. That's what keeps me going. That there's in a gap that is light years away from what the reality is for Latinos. And I'm on a mission to make an impact there. That is what keeps me going. That until Latinos have access, the education and the awareness for mental health resources, I'm not going to stop. Mi gente, that wraps up another episode of the Quintuitas podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do us a very small favor. Wherever you're listening to this episode, please leave us a rating or review. It just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories and experiences get heard by as many people as possible. These stories and experiences, as inspiring as they are, they're also an opportunity to educate the world around what professionalism really means. Your engagement is going to help us with our mission of redefining professionalism. Thank you. See you next time.